Likuti Sicha is Chelik Yudalef. It's volume 11. Second Sicha for Parshas Pikude. This Sicha is a Rashi Sicha, but I have to tell you that although it has many questions in the beginning, it's actually a pretty easy Rashi Sicha. The answer is very concise, very easy to understand, and it ends with a most amazing practical lesson for each and every one of us. The Sicha is based on the first words of the Parsha. I'm going to paraphrase it as it's, I think it would just come out a lot better this way. So it's based on the words in the Parsha. The Parsha begins, Eile pekude ha-mishkoin, mishkan ha-edus. This is the accounting, the numbers for the mishkan, the mishkan of testimony, the mishkan of the covenant. And immediately Rashi quotes these two words, ha-mishkan, mishkan, it could have just said, Eile Pekudei Mishkan Ho'edus. Why does it say twice, Hamishkan Mishkan? Says Rashi, Shnei Pa'amim, twice. In other words, Rashi says the question is like, why twice? And Rashi continues with the answer, this is a remez, this is to hint, the two Mikdosh, the two, the remez le Mikdosh, this is a remez for the Mikdosh that was Nismashken, that was taken as a pledge, as a collateral in the two Chorbonis, in the two destructions, for the sins of B'nai Yisrael. That's what Rashi says. So the Rebbe asks, number one, it makes sense, it's quite obvious, that it fits into this parsha that it should be talking about all the Batei Mikdash, okay? It should be talking about not only this Mishkan that's being built currently, that was just completed, in the desert, but to include all the Batei Mishkan, because this was the prelude to all of them. That makes sense. That's okay. But why is it that it hints to not the building of the other Beis Mikdash, but rather Mishkan Mishkan to the Churban, to the destruction of them? Here we're talking about building. Why would it be hinting? Why would it be alluding to destruction? That's question number one. Question number two. What are the two words here? Hamishkan, Mishkan. Well, perhaps, maybe the Chazal should have chosen, or could have chosen, to translate the word Mishkan as it derives from the word Vishachanti B'Saycham, and I will dwell amongst them, versus the way Rashi brings from the Gemara, that they say that it derives from the word Mashkoin, which means a collateral, which means something that's taken away for a person, for a certain period of time until the debt is repaid. Number three, usually Rashi goes straight into the answer. Most of the time when the question is obvious, Rashi doesn't even say the question. Why does Rashi have to say Shnei Ponim? And the question is so obvious, it's so clear. Why would Rashi even have to mention the question? He should have just gone into the remez that this is, you know, for the Mishka, for the Beis Mikdash that was destroyed twice. Another question. That's we're already at question number four. Rashi says remez lemikdash loshin yochid in singular form. He says this is a remez for the mikdash that was destroyed twice, that was taken twice as a mashkin as collateral. But really, he should have said remez lemikdash shois. Why didn't Rashi say this is a remez for two Batimikdash? Were there not two that were destroyed and we're waiting for the third one? Number five. At the end of Rashi, Rashi throws in the words, 
al avinoisom shel Yisrael, that it was destroyed due to the sins, to the transgressions of the Jewish people. Why did Rashi add that? How does that add? What does that add to the Pirush? We know that Rashi doesn't just give us information. Rashi is not telling us history. Rashi explains the Pasuk. How does this help better understand what we're talking about here? What difference does it really make why the Beis Hamid is destroyed as we are here in this particular Rashi? Six, we know that the two Beis Hamikdashes, the two Bate Mikdash, that is, are not the only dwelling places of Hashem that were destroyed. All the way back in Parshas Vayigash, in the previous Chumash, over there when it said that Binyamin fell on his neck, on Yosef's neck and cried, and he fell on Binyamin's neck and cried, Rashi over there already tells us that each one cried for the other's uh, Mishkan, for the other's Mikdash. Yosef cried for the two Bote Mikdash that were in the Chelek, in the um, in the uh, geographical area that was of Binyamin, that's Yerushalayim, where the Beis Hamikdash stood, and Binyamin cried for the for the Mishkan, that is Mishkan Shiloi, which stood in Yosef's territory, and it was also destroyed. So why isn't Rashi mentioning that here? I mean, we do know that there were other Churboinas. True, this particular Mishkan that Moshe Rabbeinu built, that was built in the desert, was never destroyed. But there were three destructions, not just two. So why is Rashi only talking about, only referring to the two, the two Bate Mikdash? Why didn't he say the Beis Mikdash and the Mishkan that was destroyed? And now one more question. Question number seven. I said there will be many questions. Rashi says that the Mishkan Mishkan the two words, Mishkan, are referring to Mashkoin, Mashkoin, collateral, collateral, namely the two Batei Mikdash that were taken from us and we, I guess, are waiting for their return. However, the Rebbe asks an interesting question. Think for a moment. What is the idea? What is idea inherent in a Mashkoin? What is it when you give somebody collateral? You give it to them so that when you pay the debt, you receive that very item intact, you receive it back. In other words, the whole point of a mashkin is that it has to be returned in its original state. However, anybody knows, we all know, look into the Gemara, that the second Beis Amikdash was not the same as the first Beis Amikdash. It was less than the first Beis HaMikdash. In other words, when that first Chorban was over, that Mashkoin was now over, it expired, and they deserved to receive it back. They didn't receive back the same thing. What did they receive back? They received back a Beis HaMikdash, which was far less. We know that the Gemara says that there were five things missing. Some of very important things, that it was a substantial decrease in Kedusha, it was missing the Arayin, it was missing the Urim Vetumim, and other things that it lacked, that therefore it didn't have the same, so to speak, spiritual integrity, it didn't have the same impact as the first base of Mikdash. So how then can this be explained through calling it a Mashkain when it's not a Mashkain, it was never returned in its original state? So in order to understand all of this, the Rebbe gives a very simple, very concise very short answer, but it really makes everything clear. It really makes 
all the questions go away and everything comes together. And the Rebbe explains, what is really the inherent difference between a house and a tent? You see, the Bote Mikdosh, all the references, all the Psukim to the Beis Mikdosh is that it's a Beis Eilomim. This is a permanent house, like a permanent residence. Versus the Mishkan, which is always referred to as the Oil Mayet, as the Hashem says, that I was kind of like wandering, I was kind of not settled, so to speak, as if the Shekhinah is saying, I was in a tabernacle, I was in a, in a Beis Mikdosh, but it wasn't a permanent one, it, had some, it, it was temporary, it was like a tent. What is really the inherent difference between a house and a tent? And one says the Rebbe that's obvious even to a Ben Chomish Lemikra, even to a young child who's just beginning to study Chomish. When you look at a house, regardless of what you know creature comforts are in that house, regardless of what perks that house has to offer, but you see that it has a permanence to it. It's a home. It's a permanent residence of whoever it is. Versus when you look at a tent, think about it, even today, even an RV, with all the luxuries, with all the creature comforts that one can even imagine, but it still is inherently a temporary dwelling. It's not a house. You ask a child to say, oh, that's a tent, that's an RV, that's that's a, 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 a temporary dwelling that is not a permanent place. So therefore, if we think about it from that perspective, both Bote Mikdoshes, regardless of what they had or what they didn't have. In other words, even the second Besa Mikdosh, which lacked several essential uh, elements that the first Besa Mikdosh had and the second Besa Mikdosh did not have. But still, if you look at it from this perspective, both of them are a permanent residence. In other words, both of them are the same thing. They are a bias la Hashem. They're a house for Hashem. In other words... The Beis Amikdash versus any Mishkan, even the Mishkan which stood in Shilai for a very, very long time, many hundreds of years. But still, the Mishkan in Shilai, the air of it, inherently, it was a temporary dwelling, and both Batem Mikdashes were a permanent dwelling. Now, since we learn this whole Limut, where does it come from? From the word Mishkan, Mishkan. In other words, they're both represented in an identical manner, both churbonis, whatever the churbonis are, but both of them, both destructions, both homes that we're referring to are being re- referenced to in the term, with the term mashkoin, a collateral, an item that's given as a guarantee. Therefore, it makes sense, it's logical that both of them are identical. Both of them, so to speak, are of the same category, of the same sort. And therefore, Rashi concluded that it's talking about the same thing. And that's why, how does it refer to it as a base of Mikdash? And not only as Bote Mikdash, but as Mikdash, because they're really both the same exact thing. To take it a step, a step further, the question really still remains, if it's a destruction, why are we referring to it in a term of mashkoy, of collateral? Says the Rebbe, that's precisely what the Pasuk is pointing out, and that's precisely what Ashi is telling us. Although what meets the eye, although what we experienced, and what we so much moan and miss, is the fact that it was destroyed, 
physically the base Hamidish was destroyed. But it's not that it's inherently destroyed. In other words, what Rashi is telling us, what the Pasik is pointing out, by presenting it in a term of Mishkan versus what? Versus Churban is bec- and versus even what we asked. Why doesn't he explain it to mean Vishachanti? To dwell. Why does he refer to it as a churban and it's a mashkoin, it's a collateral? Says the Rebbe, this is the beauty of it. The beauty of it is that even though it's destroyed, the Beis Amikdash still exists. The concept, the idea, the meaning, the purpose exists. It's alive. It's just that for us, it was physically taken as a mashkin. But as far as Hashem is concerned, the concept of Beis HaMikdash wasn't canceled out. It wasn't stopped. It wasn't like Hashem, you know, it reached its expiration date and that's it, it's over and it doesn't exist anymore. It continues to exist. It's just that we don't see it. Just like when you give a mashkoin, when you give an actual item as collateral, you give it to the bank, you give it to somebody you took a loan from. That person has it. What changed over here? You don't have the liberty, you don't have the luxury to make use of it. You don't have the liberty, you don't have the the, the, the ability to feel the item, to hold the item in your hand because it's in his hand until such time that you get it back. But it's dear. It exists. Because if it ceases to exist, then you no longer owe the debt. Likewise over here. The question was we asked, why are we talking about destruction? When here this whole parsha is about the building. This is the greatest label the greatest announcement of building of the Mishkan, of the Mikdash, that it never ceases to exist. Even in such time, when it's temporarily taken away from us in its physical form, the Beis HaMikdash still exists. And this also helps us now understand why Rashi threw in the words, Allah essentially saw that it was destroyed due to the sins of the Yidin. Because Rashi is telling us it wasn't destroyed because inherently the Beis HaMikdash uh, expired or ceased to exist. Hashem no longer wants it to be. To be. No, the Beis HaMikdash is here. It's just due to the sins. In other, other, other words, due to the debt that we owe, Hashem took away the physical structure. Hashem took away what meets the eye. That which we were able to avail ourselves to. We were able to have the luxury to enter and to feel and to see and to enjoy, to experience that is, that was taken away. Due to the sins, not due to the fact that the Beis HaMikdash doesn't exist. So again, this emphasizes the fact that the Beis HaMikdash is alive and well. The Beis HaMikdash exists. The Beis HaMikdash is here. The Beis HaMikdash, as far as Hashem is concerned, is, 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 is no less than it was before, maybe even more. It's just that the Mashkoin aspect of it is why we don't see the Beis HaMikdash. And take it another step, says the Rebbe, another beautiful point that we can understand. And Rashi himself is telling us what compelled him to refer only to the Bate Mikdash, only to the two Beisam Mikdashes, and not to the Mishkan? Because remember that Mishkan Shiloi, yes, it was destroyed. But although it was destroyed, we if we look to the reason why it was destroyed, it has nothing to do with this. It wasn't because of the sins of the Eden. It was nothing to do with the fact that the Yidin sinned. 
In fact, it had everything to do with the Koyanimusin, the two sons of Eli, Chofni and Pidchas, as clearly spelled out in the prophets, when, where it talks about the destruction of the, of the Mishkan. So that, again, emphasizes, and that Rashi is proving his point, that it's not talking about any Mishkan, it's talking only about the Beis Amikdosh. And to take it one more step further, and this brings us to a beautiful, beautiful point, it also is telling us that because of the sins, what does it mean because of the sins of the Eden? That the only reason Hashem took away the Beis Amikdosh temporarily is only due to the sins of the Eden. It's only because of the sins of the Eden. It says the Rebbe, look at the beauty in this. What Rashi is telling us is that really Hashem should have taken taken the Beis Amikdosh away as a mashkin. He should have taken it as collateral many, many years before he actually did. Because it, due to the sins of the Eden, the sins already, they have reached their peak many, many years before. In fact, if you look in the prophets, the Nevi'im are, are warning the Eden years, tens of years before the actual Churban, the, the, the prophets were already telling him that it's coming, it's impending. What does that tell us? That Hashem kept on delaying it. Hashem kept on pushing it off. He didn't want to take this mashkin. He doesn't want to take away the Beis HaMikdash from us. That again emphasizes the fact that the Beis HaMikdash is a permanent place of Hashem and Hashem still considers and wants the Beis HaMikdash to continue to exist. He only took it away, so to speak, reluctantly, begrudgingly. He took it away when he had no choice, but he only took it away as a mashkin. And this, the Rebbe concludes gives us a beautiful, beautiful um, uh, uh, beautiful directive in our day-to-day life. You see, what do we see here? That even during the time that the Eden did no longer deserve the Beis HaMikdash, yet Hashem kept on postponing and pushing off the Churban, thus they were able to use the Beis HaMikdash, they were able to experience the Beis HaMikdash even at such time when they no longer really deserved it. That tells us something very powerful, says the Rebbe. That when we see a Yid, that seems that his Beis HaMikdash unfortunately is totally destroyed. We have to try to make Hashem dwell in him. We have to build his Beis HaMikdash. But it seems like he's full of sins. He's not connected to it. He doesn't seem to be a receptacle for it. One may feel like perhaps I shouldn't waste my time with this yid. I shouldn't be pushing to help this yid. Why? Because look at he's full of sins. He's full of negativity and he's so distant, chas v'shalom, from active uh, connection to Torah mitzvahs. Of course, a yid is never disconnected from Torah mitzvahs, but actively he's disconnected. Says the Rebbe over here, you see that you should never hold back from continuously trying to push the dwelling of Hashem in this Yid, trying to push the Mishkan, the building of that Yid's Mishkan, of that Yid's Beis Hamikdash in his heart, in his mind, and in his actions. And moreover, says the Rebbe, there's another very powerful lesson, not from this parsha in particular, but one that relates to this point, where you see that even when someone doesn't deserve it, because of their actions, and because of they're actively involved in Averis, and yet we're supposed to be there for them to try to help them with mitzvahs and to help them be as connected as possible to Hashem. And he says, because you see this by the story of the ego, which is really connected to the Mishkan, because this is why they made the Mishkan. What happened by the story of the ego? Remember that Moshe Rabbeinu is up in Shemayim. Hashem is learning with him. Hashem is teaching him the Torah. On the very last day, 
Hashem says to him, I got something for you. I'm going to give you now the luchis, and you're going to bring it down to the Yidin. I'm going to give you the luchis. How does it say? When he finished speaking to Moshe, it's the very last moments. In that moment already, Hashem knew, because Hashem told him, listen, they sinned. You're going down there. Let me give you a, an idea of what you're going to encounter. So Moshe didn't know, but Hashem knew. Hashem knew that the Eden already had constructed the eagle and they're worshipping the eagle. And yet, what is he doing? He's giving him the luchis and he's encouraging him, go down and teach the people. That tells us that even when a Yid is in the worst state, when a Yid is already demonstrated and exhibited every disconnect from the Torah, not only a disconnect, but he's done something in assertive action to, to openly go against the Torah. Yet you have to still be there for them and still try to give them the luchas and still try to teach them and bring them closer to Hashem.